ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. And thank you for subscribing to the latest edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I am your boy, 12 Kyle. Check this out. (laughs) On this episode, what I want to talk about is, I'm going to go back a little bit, right? I'm slightly older than most of the people that are listening to this podcast, and I'm probably about the same age as a lot of people who listen to this podcast. But what I want to talk about is there was a time and era of things that happened in the past that, for what it's worth, a lot of you just weren't around. And it's not your fault because your parents hadn't met and had you yet. But you just had to be there. So I wanted to call this one you had to be there. And what I mean by that is like, I'm going to tell you some things that happened in the past that were really, really dope. And in spite of what I'm going to tell you, you just kind of had to be there. But I want to bring you in to these eras and these times and these, these things that happened in our history. Um, first up, you guys know that I talk a lot about music, but I want to, start off by saying the era of purchasing music the day that it came out listen you had to be there and what I mean by that is there was an era where the music came out and you really had to be there the day that it came out no later than the second day if not you would miss it and what I mean by that is like Back then, of course, we didn't have the technology that we have now. So you couldn't just download your favorite song or, you know, stream it on your computer or your phone. Uh, You had to actually physically leave the house, get in a car or get on a bus or get on a train and walk to a store, a record store play a novel place that sold records and tapes and then eventually CDs. But that was the thing. Like you had to physically leave your home to cop a record. And so what was really dope about that was that at that particular time, we were unequivocally and thoroughly invested in the music. What I mean by that is like you had to physically do something to go get it so you wasn't into wasting your time and more importantly you were you were not in, in into it for losing any money and I'll be the first to admit I mean you guys hear me talk a lot about hip-hop and R&B in the 80s and the 90s most of it was really really dope but I mean it was some duds <laughs> everything wasn't like the greatest of all time and I don't want to I don't, I don't ever want to paint that picture because There were times when the music was whack. (laughs) There were songs, there were artists that were whack. But the thing is, is that we were so heavily invested in the artists and in the music that we demanded more. But as far as like being there the day that it came out, because here's the thing. Music was in such demand that you had to be there the first day to get it or you ran the risk of not getting it the first day. And I always go back to, and I'll probably talk about this at nauseum, 
on this podcast from time to time. But I always go back to Snoop Dogg's release of Doggy Style. 1993, it was his debut album. Snoop was hotter than fish grease, right? And everybody wanted this album. But the thing is, is that you knew your favorite local's record store was only going to get but so many copies. And I remember I was in college at the time at South Carolina State University. And I went to the Prince of Orange Mall to get the uh, to get the CD. And what happened was they moved the release date because back then the song, the excuse me, the albums came out on Tuesdays. Well, this one it, this one was in such demand that they moved it up from Tuesday to the previous Friday, right? So the record store said, "Hey, we're going to open up at midnight on Friday." So the record store closed. Keep in mind that. I don't know, nine o'clock when the mall closed. Cause it was, like I said, it was in the Prince of Orange mall. And they said they were going to open back up at midnight. So me and my buddies, we show up around, I don't know, quarter to 12. And there was already a line at the store. And the line ran from the store all the way outside. It was that many people waiting to get this Snoop Dogg. CD and tape, and we got in line. <laughs> so it was very important for us to get in line and get that CD, and we got it that night. Because here's the thing: that album was so hot, that tape was so hot, that CD was so hot that if you didn't have it, you really ran once because the, once they run out, they run out. Now they they always get another shipment in, but you're really at the mercy of the record store because you don't know when that shipment's going to come in. The shipment may come in the next day. It may not come in for another week, depending on where you are. So, and again, I'm in Orangeburg, South Carolina. It's a college town. So it's like, you know, you had to get it. And I mean, it was a bunch of dudes, a bunch of chicks. It was a whole bunch of people trying to get that album. And I use that, I always use that as an example because like, if I didn't get that album, it's it, at that particular location, that album sold out. <laughs> so, Here's the thing, you run the risk of it selling out at your at your favorite store, and then you gotta try to find another record store, or you gotta find another place like Sam Goody or Best Buy or something like that where where they carry music. And so luckily I was able to get it from the record store in the mall. But purchasing music the day that it came out was imperative back then. I mean, like it was you had to get it. Because you did not want to be the one that didn't have it. Because here's the thing. On my campus, everybody had doggy style. Everybody. So you didn't want to be the one that didn't have it in your car. Because, I mean, like, literally, every car that passed by on the, on the yard was bumping it. Everybody had that tape or, or CD. And you just didn't want to be the lone wolf. And trust me, it was a lot of people that got to the mall late that night. They were the lone wolf because, again, they sold out. I don't know how many copies they had. They could have had 200 copies and, and sold out that night. I mean, they made a killer. But we, everybody had to have that, 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 that tape or the CD. And it was just something different when you had to purchase your music the day that it came out. It, was, it made you anxious or whatever, but you also, and sometimes we would have to call. Hey, do you guys have the new Snoop Dogg? Hey, do you have the new Biggie yet? Do you have the Ready to Die? No, you don't have it yet? Okay, what time do you have it in? What time could I come? I mean, it would listen. 
It was so bad sometimes. You could call the record station, record store, excuse me, and request that they hold it for you. Literally and figuratively hold it for you. Hey, you got the new ready to die? Yeah, we got it, but we only have three copies. Hey, hold me a copy. I'm on my way. I'll be there in 10 minutes. If if I'm not there in 10 minutes, they'll they'll tell you, hey, if you're not there in 10 minutes, we're going to sell it. Okay. I'll be there in 10 minutes. And it was just like that. And so, like, it was a special time. And I I really enjoyed that time because the music was just a, a whole lot more different than it is now. And again, we were personally invested in it. So, we made whatever sacrifices or situations just to get to the music. Um, and these things are no particular order that, that I think you had to be there for. Um, you had to be there for Halloween. <laughs> that's right. Halloween. Now, Halloween isn't something that's new and it's not something that just happened overnight. Halloween has been happening is probably for as long as history has been going on. Um, I say you had to be there for Halloween because Halloween at one point in time was vastly different from how it is now. I will honestly admit that even as an adult, Halloween is totally different from me as an adult, as opposed to a child. One, because I'm a homeowner (laughs) and instead of me going out trick or treating, there's kids coming trick or treating in my neighborhood, in my house. Um, I don't give out any candy. <laughs> so that's that. Um and and normally what I do just just let me just clarify this. Normally what I do is <laughs> I will turn the light off in the front of my house. And if the lights off and if you see a light off in the house, the front light, then that lets the kids know that like either we out of candy or we're not giving out it. And I haven't given out candy, man, probably about 15, 16 years. <laughs> um but I'll say this. Halloween was so different back then because, like, one, you got your costumes. And for the kids who didn't really have a lot, you know, you kind of made up a costume. But also, it was a situation where, like, there were sometimes Halloween could be very dangerous. I know we knew a lot of kids that would get hit by cars, a lot of hit and runs back then. Um, and they were always reported. Uh, on the news every year. Oh, be 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 careful at Halloween because you know. And and I think some of them were were like intentional. Um, but yeah, you had to be careful for that. You had to be very careful and guarded about who you got your candy from. There were willing adults who would put things in your candy. I know one one of my buddies. Uh, he thought that he got a Snicker bar, and it was actually. Uh, X lax. <laughs> so you know how that went. <laughs> um, so yeah, there was, and I know there was at one point in time there was a lot of rumors uh, in my hometown of Florence, South Carolina, that there were people giving, and I don't know how this could be, but this is what I was told. There were people that were giving out apples. That had razor blades in them. Now think about that for a second. And I'm I'm a 14, 15 year old child at the time. Well, no, I probably was younger than that. Maybe about 10 or 11. How can you put a razor blade in an apple? I don't know that you can. But 
I wasn't going to try it. <laughs> but Halloween was just different. I mean, it seemed to be more celebrated. It seemed to be more just about Halloween and, and we just, and the fun that you had that particular night, your costumes and everything. And then you could kind of make a costume out of anything. As we got older, you know, Halloween kind of changed. The mindset of it changed. It was definitely more commercialized. Uh, definitely much more publicized and even now Halloween isn't really celebrated Halloween really particularly for retailers Halloween gets in the way it, it's the cousin that's in the way and what I mean by that is as soon as Halloween is over they get right to Christmas and what I mean by that is you can go in your local drugstore your local department store whatever the Halloween candy and everything is out. Let's let's say let's use some place like CVS or Pathmark, um, depending on where you live. That Halloween candy is out there until October 31st. On November 1st, is everything is Christmas. Christmas that de- not not even Thanksgiving. It's, it's Christmas decorations, it's Christmas lights, Christmas trees. Hell, you may be even go, you may even go into your favorite department store and you may hear Christmas music. <laughs> it's just like that on November 1st. Um, but Halloween was different, man. I mean, like, even now as an adult, I'll be honest, Halloween is like, it's just different. I mean, you go, if you, if you so choose to go to a Halloween party, I ain't been to a Halloween party in a couple of years. But I mean, every woman is the slutty nurse. I mean, like, there's no type of, hey, let me jazz this up. Let me be Tina Turner or let me be. Beyonce or let me be enemy. Let me be a Michelle Obama. No, every woman comes to the party in, you know, the skimpiest of outfits, lingerie, which, hey, good for us to look at, right? <laughs> but at the end of the day, I mean, everybody got to, it's like, it would be, it's the, it would be the equivalent of me at 10 years old going to a Halloween party and I got on a Batman costume and every other 10 year olds in there with a Batman costume on. It, it looks whack. And, you know, so Halloween, it, it ain't the same. I mean, and, and also, you know, I'm seeing Halloween through the eyes of a 51 year old at the time of this recording, right? So, and I remember somebody telling me, like, you know, there's like, man, you spoiled, you spoiled, and you're not only spoiled, but your kids are being deprived. I was like, so what? <laughs> And don't get me wrong, they've gone out, they've gone to Halloween parties at our church or whatever, but the days of us trick-or-treating, even in my neighborhood, probably, I want to say Skylar was a baby, so we're talking like 11, yeah, probably about 10, 11 years ago, so it's it's been a while for us. Um, And then we don't have any, I mean, like I said, Skylar's our youngest child, she's 12 at the time of this recording, so it's not like I got little kids to take around the neighborhood and walk and stuff like that no I don't I'm not doing all that my kid's not gonna be walking around the neighborhood without me so um you know it kind of is what it is but Halloween back then you had to be there um another thing that you had to be there for John Madden that's right John Madden now, I'm not talking about the video game because see when I say John Madden a lot of you think about the video game. No, I'm not talking about John Madden, the video game. I'm talking about John Madden, the man. 
dig what I'm saying? <laughs> um, John Madden, the man, was a obviously, as many of you know, hopefully you do know John Madden before he became the face of his own video game. Uh, he was a coach in the NFL. Uh, he coached for many years for the Oakland Raiders. <laughs> he coached from 1969 to 1978. Uh, and he won a Super Bowl in 1976 with the Raiders. And Madden Man was he he was the he was the man. But if you're not old enough to remember Madden from uh his days as a coach for the Oakland Raiders, then maybe you might remember him as a Hall of Fame broadcaster. Listening to Madden was a treat every Sunday that he was on and he did he worked for CBS from nineteen seventy nine to nineteen ninety three. Then he worked for Fox Sports from 1994 to 2001. And then ultimately ABC Sports from 2002 to 2005. I think he did Monday Night Football. And then uh, NBC Sports from 2006 to 2008, subsequently retiring in 2008. And Madden, he, he was everything, man. He literally was everything. He made the game look, feel, and sound fun. Um. He made it sound very interesting, particularly for those who didn't really follow football the way that they, that most people do. And I've been told several times that Madden really Madden in his prime really made it easy for women to grasp the game of football if they didn't really know it as well as, you know, others. Um and he was beloved. He was beloved. I mean, he was Big guy, fun guy, jolly guy. Um, and but he was mad. I mean, like I said, most people, depending on how old you are, you will know him from uh video games. But yeah, Madden was a guy I loved listening to him. And he and Madden, to his credit, always stayed very partial because although he was very flamboyant and very um, you know, friendly he stayed very uh, in the middle as far as like, he never had a rooting interest. And I think that's because he came from the old school, old school broadcasters. You didn't know who their favorite team was. <laughs> I mean, like I could listen to it, just about anybody right now calling a football game. And I could tell if they're rooting for this team or, or if they used to play for them. I mean, Madden didn't sound any more enthusiastic when he was calling Raider games as opposed to calling 49er games. And he never coached the 49ers. I mean, but he was just that guy. And I'll never forget, Madden did something. He did something that surprised me that I thought was really, really um, ghetto, if you will. <laughs> and I'll explain. Um, in 2006, John Madden goes into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, he goes into the Hall of Fame with, it was John Madden. Um, Rayfield Wright from the Cowboys, Warren Moon, uh, Troy Aikman, um, uh, who, uh, what's the other guy? Uh, Reggie White uh, from the Packers, and a little guy from Florence, South Carolina, by the name of Harry Carson uh, from the New York Giants, who's my uncle, and he's my mom's baby brother. And so we're all, my whole family's at the Hall of Fame and everything. 
and we're in Canton, Ohio, and it's 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 a beautiful day. It's hot. It's hot as all get out. And I'll never forget it because at the time, Sharice and I, we had our two sons. We had two sons then, Dion and Cameron. And Sharice actually was pregnant with our youngest son, Brandon. And it's like 95 degrees. It's hot. So Madden comes up there. I mean, you know, they do the induction or whatever like that. So it's six people that are going to speak. And obviously, you know, it's going to take a while, right? So Madden does something that's really I, I, I say ghetto, but I, I don't mean it in a dis, distasteful way. But Madden is up first, right? So he gets inducted. He comes up and he's presented. They, he gets his bust. He says his speech. And when he's done saying his speech, everybody stands up, give him a standing ovation. Madden comes down and all of the family sat in the front. For first, like first two or three rows is where the family sat for all of the um, inductees. And Madden comes down, he greets his family, they give him a hug. He's got these sons, the sons of big guys like him, kisses everybody. And instead of sitting down, John Madden and his entire family dipped, <laughs> meaning they left. They left. They didn't hear nobody else speak. They didn't care. They were like, man, it's too hot for this. And while I think that's ghetto and that's, you know, distasteful, but it was funny, though, because it's like you really expected him to sit down. When he when he walked off, it was like, oh, I get it. <laughs> because trust me, if my uncle had given the speech first and we could have bounced after he finished speaking, I would have left too. Because I didn't, and not, and no disrespect, I wanted to hear everybody speak. But I had a wife who was, um, at that time, she was what, six, seven months pregnant? Yeah, she, I mean, sitting out in 95 degree heat, I wasn't having her, I wasn't trying to have her pass out. So, um, but I mean, you had to be there for Matt. And again, I love Madden. I just thought that was a funny story that I wanted to share with y'all from the Hall of Fame. Um, and, uh, you know, he and my uncle are, are linked because my uncle called, he called my uncle's Giants games, uh, many of them. And he had a lot, he had a lot of great respect for him, had a lot of great things to say about him all the time. And then with them being inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame at the same time, you know, their classmates, if you will. So, um, and unfortunately, Madden passed away in 2021, um, but definitely rest in peace. Uh, and, and again, if you weren't around for the Madden era, the Madden in the booth era, you had to be there. It, it was it was an event. It was a time. Um, what else you had to be there for? Uh, you had to be there for my Adidas. Not the song, but the shoe. Adidas, specifically Shell to Adidas. Shelto Adidas were the signature shoe for Run DMC, the iconic, and in my opinion, the greatest hip-hop group of all time. You had to have some Shelto's. The Shelto's were the signature thing for, for Run DMC. And they came out, <clears throat> the song came out, My Adidas, I mean, I'm sure you guys remember the song. It is only one of the greatest songs in hip-hop history. But that's on drop in 1986. And so I think I was in like eighth grade. And Shelto Adidas sales were through the roof. And it was because they were being marketed and promoted by Run DMC. I mean, imagine, I don't know, let's, for, for the sake of saying, let's say Drake says, hey, this shoe right here 
is the greatest shoe of all time and he makes a he makes a song about a particular shoe no matter what the shoe is that shoe is going to sell through the roof because drake has a legion of fans or let's say drake beyonce and swift taylor (laughs) they sing a song about one shoe i mean those are three of the biggest artists in the world drake beyonce and swift taylor i mean come on man so that's kind of like how it was for run dmc back in you know 1986 and so subsequently everybody had shell to adidas you had to be there for the shell to adidas era if you didn't have shell to adidas you were missing out because they were the signature shoe for hip-hop they were the signature shoe for well it was called rap at the time and the shell to adidas is probably only one of a couple of pair of you i hadn't i never really had many adidas I was always a Nike kid and um, but it was an era. It was an era. And I mean, like, because run DMC was the premier face for rap and they were so much, you know, copied and studied and looked up to if run DMC said something, if he said Lee on my, he said Lee on my legs and Adidas on my feet, we were trying to get some Lee jeans and <laughs> trying to get some Adidas and specifically the shell to Adidas. It was a great era. It was a great era, man. Um, I think that at that particular time, that's the only time I've ever owned a pair of Shell Toy Adidas. I never bought any more after that. Um, but it was a great time. What a time. Uh, matter of fact, big shout out to the <laughs> to the Adidas crew in my hometown of Florence, South Carolina. You know who you are. Um, what else? Uh, you had to be there for. Oh, you had to be there for cordless phones <laughs> man listen cordless phones were a joint um don't get me wrong i remember the days of being on the phone you talking to a girl and you got the cord and you swing the cord around your head and swinging it around or maybe you're tying yourself up in the cord or maybe you're just wrapping the cord around your fingers um that was fun but the cordless phone was a different animal because it allowed you to move about the house. You had to be there for the cordless phone era. In my case, not only could I talk on the cordless phone in the house, but our cordless phone had a nice little range. So I could actually go outside. I could actually sit in the driveway. I could go sit in the car. Um... I did a couple of times. Uh, <laughs> how can I say this? Go sit by our, our pool because we had a pool um, and be on a cordless phone and be chilling. I mean, of course, they couldn't see you, but you get the point, right? It's the vibe. It's just the aesthetics of it. And um, it was a great time, man. Cordless phones were the joint. Now, of course, you had to charge them. And that was the first phone that we actually charged. So long before your iPhone came, long before your Android came, uh, long before your flip phone came, long before your Palm Pilot came, (laughs) we had to charge the um, cordless phone daily and nightly. Um, So, you know, when you finish that joint, put it on the base. You you couldn't you could not be on the cordless phone for a long time and then put it down and just leave it. Oh, you would get it in my house. Oh, you get in trouble, Jack. 
you had to literally put that thing back on the base of the charge. And in my case, with me, my cousin Eric, and my brother Damon, my younger brother Damon, all of us, you know, three teenage boys in the house. <sighs> Let's just say this. We had to make sure that the phone was charged. And if the phone was damn near dead, uh, you better tell somebody like, hey, don't get on that phone because the phone's about to die. Because nothing is worse than Eric had been on the phone for an hour. Damon had been on the phone for an hour and a half. And then some little hottie calls me. I get on the phone. And then I hear the phone go, beep, beep. Nah, cuz. <laughs> nah, man. Once that, once that phone beeps, you, you know, like, you gotta, and then you gotta hang it up, or you gotta put it on the base. You can't keep your phone conversations going, because at that point, once the phone dies, you're not getting any more phone calls, at least coming through. So, the cord, cordless phone era, you had to be there for that. Um, the next one you had to be there for, and I touched on it on previous episodes, but it's worth repeating, the quiet storm the dedication hour, whatever you want to call it. Um, for those of you who missed that episode or don't know what I'm talking about, the quiet storm, at least in my hometown, Florence, South Carolina, on the radio station at like nine, 10 o'clock, they would have what they call the quiet storm. And I think it was nationally syndicated where they would play slow is where it's the point in time of the day, the evening, it's the Mac hour, right? So you're going to play slow music, R&B, and this could be the time that you could call in and dedicate a song to your your, your lady or your boyfriend. Um, you ain't really dedicating no song to your friends, but there was a couple of people that would call in and dedicate a song to their friend. Um, but yeah, it was all about, you know, kind of letting people know like, and that was a big thing, especially because again, I'm not in a big place. So it'd be different if, the dedication hour was on, you know, I don't know, whatever the radio station is in New York or Chicago or LA or Atlanta. But for me, it was big because of my hometown not being as big as those major cities, right? And so if you called into the radio station for the dedication hour to Quiet Storm and they read out your dedication over the air, man, that was props. <laughs> That was props, dog. That was props because everybody heard it. So if, let's say, I don't know, let's say I call the radio station and I say I want to dedicate Always by Atlantic Star to Sheila, right? Not only is Sheila going to hear it, but Sheila's friends are going to hear it. And that's going to give me mad props with Sheila. So you wanted to do that. You wanted, and you you never knew. I mean, like you would call in, but sometimes your dedication wouldn't make it to the air, and so like it was always a thing, man. And and it would this would be like for a couple of hours, and the hardest thing really was just being trying to get through to the line because everybody was calling the radio station between that time. So I know I know people, <laughs> I know people who were supposed to be asleep, and they were calling the line trying to get on. Um, dedication hour quiet storm uh so those are good times you had to be there for that um and i always think every time i think about the dedication hour <laughs> i remember and i'm not going to repeat either of these people's names because i know that they're going to listen to the podcast i remember 
a young lady called in the dedication hour. And she said, I want to dedicate I'll Take Your Man by Salt and Pepper to Sharon. And I'm using Sharon as for, let's just say it was Linda and Sharon. My name is Linda. I'm calling to dedicate I'll Take Your Man to Sharon because I will take your man. And they played I'll Take Your Man by Salt and Pepper. And when I tell you, that happened, I'll never forget it happened on a Friday. By the time we got back to school on Monday, yo, they were ready to squabble at, <laughs> at lunch. Because, <laughs> I mean, this, this girl really called it, and she used her real name. She said, I will take your man. And the cool part about it was the guy, he was liking both of them. Neither, he wasn't committed to either one, but he, he was liking both of them. And the funny thing is I know all three people. <laughs> But um, I'm not going to release their, their real names. They know who they are. And if you're listening or watching, thank you. <laughs> um, what else? What else? Another thing that was big that you had to be there for was jump rope, double dutch. You know, I don't think I could be wrong, but I don't think kids jump rope like how we used to jump rope back in the day. I mean, like we used to jump rope all the time in PE class. Sometimes you just jump rope in the neighborhood. Now, I will say this much. As a guy, I've never thought about, never attempted, never will double dutch. Double dutch was for the girls, at least where I'm from. I don't know about where you're from. I mean, where I'm from, if if you were a guy and you got into the double dutch, we kind of looked at you funny. I mean, it's the 80s. We didn't know no better. Don't, 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 Don't fight me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, man, it was, uh, it was like that. It was really, really like that double Dutch jump rope. Um, and how I, all of let listen, I still, I will maintain this fact to this day. And I've seen several, <laughs> I've seen several instances where there's been double Dutch, double Dutch, you know, competitions or whatever like that. The girls in the middle of the double Dutch competition always were cuties. Always. There was never an ugly girl in the double Dutch mix. Never. Ever. Maybe some of the girls who were, who were you know, twirling the um, rope. But the one in the middle, like Moni, never. Where I'm from, never. Always a cutie. Always a cutie. But yeah, you had to be there for, for, for jumping rope. Shout out to uh, Jump Rope for Heart, too. They did that in the school back in the day. Um, oh, yes, yes. Next. Something else you had to be there for. The Dewey Decimal uh, System. Now, I know that's going to be foreign for a lot of you. The Dewey Decimal System basically was a system that they set up in libraries to help you be able to find the books in the library. It's foreign to a lot of you because, like, one, I don't know that y'all go to libraries. <laughs> and two, if you do go to the library, I don't necessarily know that you're actually looking up books. I mean, like, because we all have cell phones. You can look up whatever you want to look up. You can look it up on the cell, on your cell phone. I don't necessarily know that you need to go to a library to find it. Um, but the Dewey Decimal System was named after uh, Melville Dewey. Um, and this is back in the 1800s. Um, and it's that old. And... The best way that I can describe it is that the books were uh, set up based on a number system based on 
whatever the categories was. So if you were looking for, I don't know, like, let's say, let's say you're looking for like a geometry section um, or a math section. So let's say the math section was 500. So you might have natural, natural math, natural, excuse me, I'm getting tongue tied. <laughs> natural math and science uh, might be section 500. Section 510 might be mathematics. Section 515 might be geometry. Section, I don't know, 518 might be uh, metric geometry. So it just it just really depends. And I mean, because obviously geometry and metric, metric geometry is two different things. But it was fun, man. It was, fun. it was a good way to learn your way around the library. And we learned it and we mastered it pretty, at least from what I can remember, relatively easy. Um, but yeah, the Dewey Decimal System, man, that was dope. You you literally had to be there for that. <laughs> um, another thing that was dope that you had to be there for, the era of voicemail. And I'm not talking about like the voicemail on your phone. I'm talking about like the physical voicemail that you could leave someone on a tape. It was like a tape recorder and it was a little small cassette tape and you could leave someone a message. And that was a dope era, man, because like not only could you leave someone a message, but but you could record your own message as well. So my message might sound something like this. Yeah, you've reached 12, Kyle. I'm not in right now to take your call. Leave your number and I'll get back with you as soon as possible. Peace. (laughs) Now, that's how mine might sound. But, like, other people, man, dudes would have, like, Jodeci playing in the background. (laughs) They might have some mixing and scratching. The ladies, hi, I can't come to the phone right now. You know, it's trying to sound all sexy and stuff. It was a time, man. It was a time. If you missed it, I'm sorry. I Listen, I'm sorry. Blame your parents. Because they should have had you earlier. That was a great era. I mean, like, even hearing it in music was dope listen that was just a great era man I, I i missed that era um another era that you had to be there for the coat era and what i mean by the coat era two coats in particular the triple fat goose the triple fat goose down jacket and the starter jacket so it's the coat slash jacket era let's just call it that so the coat slash jacket era yeah the triple fat goose or we used to call the triple triple fat goose down uh jacket was this big heavy jacket and it was just that it was a puffy coat and it was made of goose down now if you know goose down is very fluffy and it's very soft and it's very comfortable and so like the triple fat goose was it was a status symbol in like the early 90s if you had a triple fat goose like you you had some money personally I didn't want a triple I didn't I never wanted one because one the coat was huge and it seemed like everybody that I knew that had a triple fat goose jacket was the jacket was almost it was beyond it was almost like 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 as long as a trench coat. 
So it went beyond your waist, almost down to like your knees, right? And so for me, I'm like, I don't, one, I'm not, I'm 5'7", right? So I'm not a tall person. So me with a long ass coat on just didn't look right to me. And then the more important thing, I grew up in Florence, South Carolina. It's not a really cold place, <laughs> relatively speaking. Now we have cold days, but I mean, it's not like I grew up in Harlem or, you know, Chicago or Minneapolis. That's different. Then you would need a triple fat goose, but nah, didn't need one. Uh, I will say this much. I did have a friend um, who had a triple fat goose jacket and he also had a pager. And I was convinced that he was selling drugs. <laughs> Shout out to D Love Hall. <laughs> My boy Derek. <laughs> and he he later convinced me that he wasn't selling drugs. But I, I, I knew for a fact he was selling drugs because only drug dealers had pagers and triple fat goose jackets. Um, the second jacket was the starter jacket. Listen. I never owned a starter jacket. Starter jackets in this in the late 80s, early 90s were everything. It was a stat it was a status symbol. I mean, like back then, owning a starter jacket was almost like the equivalent of um having Jordans. Like it was a status, but these jackets were about, I don't know, between $75 and $100. And my mom, she was not having it. She was like, no, I'm not buying you no starter jacket. And so never got a starter jacket. And what more in particular, the parka was the jacket that I wanted. It's a start. You, you can look them up. You can Google them. Starter jackets and then put parkas, how they look. Not the, <clears throat> not the zip up ones, not the, uh, the pullovers, but the real with the full zipper down in the front. And they were all, you know, we all got the teams, whether or not you got it like Chicago Bears or 49ers or the Raiders. The Chicago Bears and the Raiders were the most popular ones. But again, you had to, you know, we were so big on our team. So, like, I grew up a Giants fan, still a Giants fan. So I'm not, it, it wouldn't have made sense for me to get a starter jacket, a Raiders starter jacket, because I wasn't an Oakland Raiders fan. But those jackets were so cold, man. They looked so dope on everybody. And I never got one, man. We just couldn't afford it. So, and I look now. I I just did this just the other day just to see if I could find one. Like, you have a couple of people selling them on eBay, but I'm like, I don't really trust that. But they don't sell the particular parkas like they used to. Because, I mean, again, this is, this is like 91, 92. So you're talking 30 plus years, right? So personally, I still want one. I will pay. Any amount of money, well, I ain't gonna say any. I'll pay up to like, I don't know, $400 for one if I could find one. And they don't even cost that much. But if I could find one, so if you know somebody that makes one or you know where you could direct me, hit me up, shoot me a DM, uh, get in get in contact with me, hit me up and let me know. But I want the Parker, not the not the regular joint. And I, at this point, I would love a Giants one, but I'll take another team. Just I just want it for nostalgia. That's all. Um. And last but not least, the eras that, that you had to be there for, you had to be there for the blog era. <sighs> Man, listen, the blog era was everything. Many of you know, or some of you don't know, I currently have a blog. 
I've had this blog since 2007 and it's called um, the 12th planet. Um, And interestingly enough, through that blog, that is where 12 Kyle, the social media profile began. I thought about blogging. I come across a few blogs um, at the time that I started my blog. I just lost my job and I needed some type of outlet, some type of creative um, place to kind of kick it and, and get my thoughts out. And it was my blog. I create, well, I, I commented on a couple of blogs and my homegirl, Lisa Renee, shout out to L Renee. Uh, she was like, you should start a blog. She had a blog and she was like, you should start a blog. And I was like, you think so? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, well, I don't even know what I would call myself. And she was like, 12 Kyle. And she gave me the name 12 Kyle. And um, shout out to Lisa. That's, that's, that's family right there. And, um, and so, that, so it began. And so my social media imprint began with 12 Kyle, the 12th planet. And I would write on this blog daily. I mean, just covering a wide range of topics, similar to what I do here on, on this podcast. And I'll never forget, like a couple of people came and visited and they commented on, on, the, on my, my uh, blog. And the thing was back then, if somebody commented on your blog, then you go to theirs and you go, you read what they wrote, you comment on theirs as well. This was like early Twitter, <laughs> really. <laughs> and um, I'll be honest, it opened me up to a whole bunch of people on the internet, because again, the internet was relatively new. We're talking 2006, 2007. And I made lifelong friends through the blog era. And I mean, like we had a ball. Many of you know, Eclectic, who's on here all the time. That's where we connect. We connected via blogs. And what's interesting, I tell people all the time, like, I used to read his blog and I didn't know if he was a real person. Because you, you know, yeah, you haven't seen his face. I thought he was like a machine or something. I was like, this dude ain't real. Or maybe he's some white guy <laughs> and, he, and he's flaking and portraying. And then we ended up doing, uh, you know, podcasts together and stuff like that. And we officially met a couple of years ago. Um, and he's a real person. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, he, um, you know, I met made a lot of friends through the blog era. And the blog era was dope, man, because it was, for me, it was a collective of, I don't know, 20, maybe 30 people. And we were all young, kind of coming up, doing our thing. And we all had blogs and we just, it was a community. And it's only a handful of us now that still have our blogs. I don't even touch my blog for the most part. I, I don't think I've written anything on there. I've, I've made posts, but the posts have been about the podcast. I think the last time I wrote something was probably about two years ago. I need to, and I keep saying I'm going to write something. No, I did. No, I wrote something last year. Um, not a lot though. Um, and I think social media, what became, uh, Twitter, because Twitter was early and I got, we got the, and it's, it's funny because it's like all of my blogger friends, we left blogger. We're not left blogger, but we, we, we took our focus from blogger to Twitter, but we were, when we were on Twitter, our tweets were so infrequent. Like I might tweet once a day <laughs> and the tweet might just be, what's up? Or I'm chilling at, chilling at, at, at McDonald's for lunch. And that's it. That was it. Like, and then the tweets came so infrequent that I would actually get text messages when my 
friends would tweet. So if he clicked, he sent a tweet. It would come to me as a text. Even if the, even if he didn't at me, it would come to me. But he would only tweet like once a day, or once every two or three days. And it was just our little community. And you know, it was that's how we went from blogs to Twitter. And Twitter was really really dope back then. And then y'all showed up and ruined it. <laughs> but yeah, you had to be there for the blog era. The blog era was really really special. Um, if you're interested, uh, my blog is still up. It's called. Uh, it's called the 12 planet go to um, what's the website the 12 planet dot blogspot.com um, the 12 the number one two planet dot blogspot.com and uh, all my all my posts are still there you can actually read the first post post that I wrote uh, it's called the Genesis um, every now and then I go back and I pull some and I read them just to see where I was because like I said when I first started the blog I wasn't working and then I got back to work and you know the blog really took off and it started getting to be more popular and uh you know met a lot of friends met some weirdos <laughs> uh and you know met some really cool people that um really special so I, I really enjoyed the blog era but you you had to be there for that uh in conclusion I wanted to just take us take some time to talk about some things from back in the day that weren't that long ago, relatively speaking, at least for me, it doesn't feel like it, but I just wish some of you had been there because I can tell you and I can give you these stories and I can give you the vibes, but for some things you just had to be there. I mean, like it's cool to watch a football game now, the NFL game, but if you were there for when the games when Madden was calling the game, man, listen, if you don't believe me, when you finish listening to this podcast, go to YouTube, just type in John Madden and listen to him call some of these games. He's funny. He's funny, but he got right to it. And he again, he made it easy for people who didn't necessarily follow the game to follow him. And uh, you just had to be there. And like I said, I wanted to, to give this uh, some conversation and some legs because really... And truly, for some things, no matter how much I tell you, no matter how much I wax poetic, no matter how much I delve into what used to be the good old days, in a lot of ways, you just had to be there. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for me. Thank you for checking out this edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Podcast drops every Thursday at midnight. And from time to time, we drop bonus episodes on Sundays at midnight. Uh, be sure to hit us up on all the socials and follow um, on Twitter X, Facebook, Instagram, and or now on TikTok. We got clips on TikTok. Follow, like, subscribe to page on YouTube if you want to watch the videos. There's videos for every episode that we do. Um, and if you feel so inclined, you want to hit us up, send us some dollars. <laughs> hit us up on Cash App. Dollar sign T W E L V E K Y L E. Again, that's going to do it for me. I am your boy, 12 Kyle. And this has been a take that we, we took a look back on things that you had to be there for. Uh, if you weren't there, at least you got a chance to listen to me talk about it. Again, that's going to do it for me. Thanks again for checking out this edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I'll catch you guys next time. Bye.